not anything but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Thanks for listening today. This is the Hour of Intercession. I'm Pastor Joseph Parker. We invite you to look with us in the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. From such people, turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Johnny's and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapproved, disapproved concerning the faith, but they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all as theirs also was. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, but evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Again, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the reality that we are living in the last days and perilous times have come to our world. But thank you, Lord, for the fact that you said in your word, be of good cheer, you have overcome the world. Thank you for making us to be more more than conquerors through, who, through him that loved us. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to be uh, warriors in the kingdom who know how to go out and experience victory every day of our lives as we simply put the arsenal of your word to work in our lives. Help us to become much more faithful hearers and doers of your word. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening to the Hour of Intercession. Rick Robertson is our producer. He is going to lead us in a word of prayer. Father, we come to you with grateful hearts today because we are led by you, we're protected by you, we're shielded by you, that you have a home awaiting us in heaven. Father, what a kindness, what an, um, an amazing kindness shown to us. We're thankful, Father, for your precious Son, Jesus, who was nailed to a cross, who hung and died there for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Rick. 
thank you again for choosing to be a part of our listening family today. Today on the broadcast, we're looking at the topic, Discipleship Articles, Tools for Evangelism and Discipleship, and something that we do uh, on some of the broadcasts. I'm going to be sharing uh, articles uh, and blogs that I've written that uh, have appeared on the AFA stand. And of course, uh, you can go to afa.net to find articles written by a number of different authors that are both mostly on staff here at the American Family Association, but sometimes we have guests that do blogs as well. But I'm going to be sharing blogs I've written and had placed on the AFA stand, which are both evangelism and discipleship articles. And so one of our goals in doing this is for you to be able to hear them and to be encouraged and edified by them. But also, please email us if you'd like to get copies of these, because one of our goals is that you'll have them in hand as references and tools and resources to use for you in your personal walk with the Lord, resources for you to use for the discipleship of your family as well, but also resources you can use to either make hard copies of them or to forward them and do evangelism by way of the Internet, evangelism and discipleship, forwarding them to family, friends, co-workers, fellow church members, saved and unsaved individuals as well. And, you know, in so many ways, you know, it really is easy to do evangelism and discipleship this way on the Internet through the use of email. And so I would encourage you to prayerfully consider getting some or really any and all the articles that we share, because that's a part of what they're for, to bless and encourage and edify you and your family, but also for you to be able to use them for yourself, for you to do ministry, ministering to those around you in your circle of influence, in your world as well. So we'll be sharing a number of these different articles. Once again, my email is joseph at afr.net. Again, that's joseph at afr.net. If you'd like to get Every title that we share on the broadcast, just let us know. But if you want certain ones, some, and don't really see a need for certain others, just give us the titles that you're wanting. But we're glad to share them with you. We want to share them with you because our goal is to bless and encourage you and your family, but also to better equip you to be a disciple maker yourself. So as we begin, we're beginning with an article entitled God's Word, Three Chapters a Day. Again, God's Word, Three Chapters a Day. Psalm 119, verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Again, Psalm 119, verse 105, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Again, Hebrews 4, 12, practicing daily spiritual habits are necessary in our daily walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is that so? Because followers of Christ are to be passionately faithful. In life, we form habits to help us consistently do things that are important to us and for us. Habits that help us accomplish the goals we believe are critical to our lives. I regularly encourage believers to set a goal of reading at least three chapters in God's Word every single day. This habit is one of the most important to establish to establish in your life. Why three chapters and why every day? Well, if a believer reads three chapters in the Word of God every day, that can be a basic spiritual meal for him or her. It might be that you read the same chapter three times, or you may read three different chapters. Doing either is fruitful and wise. 
How is this helpful? Well, the Word of God is Jesus, and Jesus is the Word of God. When you're reading the Word of God, it is is one-on-one time talking and spending time with Jesus. It's your daily appointment time with Him. The Lord Jesus will spend as much time with you as you will spend with Him in His Word. It's important for us to read the Word every single day. Just as our bodies need physical food every day, so too we must feed our spirits daily as well. God's Word is food for our spirits like physical food is food for our physical bodies. Feeding your physical body every day can help you be strong, vibrant, and healthy. Feeding your spirit, the Word of God daily, can help you to be strong, vibrant, and spiritually healthy. Now, if a man or woman only ate a small snack once every other day, very soon he or she would grow physically weak. Likewise, likewise, when a believer only reads a verse or two from the Word of God every day or every other day, he or she will become spiritually weak. Sadly, it appears that too many believers live on what you would call a starvation diet spiritually. It is spiritual neglect. Too many believers may not even pick up a Bible for days in their lives. It's for this reason that many believers are spiritually anemic, spiritually weak and frail. My suggestion suggestion to you is today, start the habit of reading at least three chapters in the Word of God every day. It's a way of blessing and rewarding yourself. Psalm 1, verses 1 to 3, and Genesis 15, 1. Why not start rewarding yourself today? Here are 10 great reasons to start reading God's Word daily. Number one, it tells you how to genuinely be saved and how to grow up in your faith. John 3, 16, Psalm 119, verse 105, Romans 12, 1 and 2, and Philippians 4, 6 and 7. A second reason It gives you clear guidance and direction for your life. Psalm 119, verse 105, and 2 Timothy 3, 15 to 17. A third reason as to why it's wise to read God's Word every day, it empowers your prayer life, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Number four, it sharpens your ability to hear the Holy Spirit more and more clearly in your life, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 5. Number five, Reading Word Daily ministers to your mind, body, and spirit, Proverbs 4, 20 through 22. Number six, it helps you maintain your mental health. And according to Dr. Paul Meyer, one of the most fruitful habits in life is reading the Bible every day, and it will minister and it will bless your mental health. Number seven, it increases the anointing in every area of your life, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 5. Number eight, it increases your wisdom in every area of your life, Proverbs 1 through 3. Number nine, it enhances your intellect and personality. It literally can increase your IQ, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 5. And then number 10, a tenth reason as to why it's wise to have the habit of reading three chapters a day. A tenth reason is it pours grace, peace, mercy, and joy into your spirit, your mind, and your life, 2 Corinthians 1, 2. 1 Timothy 1 and 2, 2 Timothy 1 and 2, chapter 1, verse 2, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Reading three chapters a day from the Word of God will bless you tremendously. Let's make it a high priority in our lives. And parents, we are wise to have our children read three chapters out loud to us every day also. It will greatly bless them, you, and your home. Again, the title of that article was God's Word, Three Chapters a Day. And as I mentioned, if you desire to have 
a copy of it, simply email me at joseph at AFR.net. Again, that's joseph at AFR.net. We'd be glad to share with you. And uh, we're going to start on another article. Probably it's, it'll be the other side of the break before we finish. But this next article is entitled, Walking Out Your Calling. And Father, once again, we thank you for the opportunity to share these articles. Lord, touch every listener. Stir them to get the ones that they feel would really help them and help us to become much more faithful hearers and doers of your word. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Again, this next article is entitled, Walking Out Your Calling. Romans chapter 11, verse 29. For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Again, Romans eleven twenty-nine, And then Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Again, Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. Every year during the month of May, we have the opportunity to attend maybe one or maybe more than one graduations where everything from high school diplomas to postgraduate degrees are conferred. Commencement addresses can be very interesting, sometimes amusing, but too often very disappointing. Commencement speakers are usually gifted orators who use the occasion to display their knowledge, praise the graduates for their accomplishments, hold up high expectations for them, and assure them of a bright future. But too often the speaker fails to include God or the will of God in the equation of the graduates' lives and futures. How tragic. If God is mentioned at all, it is too often only an obligatory afterthought. Graduates are challenged to pursue their dreams, fulfill their desires, and make their own way. They're usually told to clearly identify their calling and go after it with all their might. Again, how tragic. You're listening to the Hour of Intercession as we're sharing um, some resource articles that, and discipleship articles that we hope will be in helpful resources for you to get. The email to get them again, joseph at afr.net. We're glad to get them to you. We'll be right back. Brian and Katie Torwalt, he is the light. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession. Today we're looking at the topic, Discipleship Articles, Tools for Evangelism and Discipleship. 
and we're sharing different articles that we've written and placed on the AFA stand over a period of time. And if you'd like to get copies, simply email me, joseph at AFR.net. If you'd like to get one or more or all of the articles that we share on the broadcast, remember the goal is that they would be resource tools for you to use in your personal walk with the Lord, for the discipleship of your family, but also to share with others as you do the work of evangelism and discipleship. Again, this this article is entitled Walking Out Your Calling. Uh, again, the title, Walking Out Your Calling. Romans 11, verse 29, For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Jeremiah 1, 5, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Every year during the month of May, we have the opportunity to attend one or more graduations where everything from high school diplomas or postgraduate degrees are conferred. Commencement addresses can be very interesting, sometimes amusing, but too often very disappointing. Commencement speakers are usually gifted orators who use the occasion to display their knowledge, praise the graduates for their accomplishments, hold up high expectations for them, and assure them of a bright future. But too often the speaker fails to include God or the will of God in the equation of the graduates' lives and futures. How tragic. If God is mentioned at all, it is too often only an obligatory afterthought. Graduates are challenged to pursue their dreams, fulfill their desires, and make their own way. They're usually told to clearly identify their calling and go after it with all their might. Again, how tragic. The reality is that God chooses your calling, not you. Jeremiah 1.5 We're not to decide what we want to do in life and then ask God to bless it. We're to pray and seek God for his call on our lives. Like the Apostle Paul, we are wise to pray in Acts chapter 9, verse 6, Lord, what do you want me to do? It's been said, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Before you get upset that God decides your calling rather than you, consider this first. He made you, designed you, molded and shaped you to excel and shine for his glory as you live out the calling that he gave to you. God knows you better than you know yourself. You were made specifically to carry out the call he's given you, and no one in the universe is designed to carry out the specific call on your life but you. So be mindful of this truth. You were created to succeed at what God has called you to do. God designed calling, God's design, excuse me, your God designed calling empowers you to live out your purpose in this world. The most exciting, fulfilling, and satisfying life you can possibly live is the life you live as you walk out God's calling on your life. The wisest and best life the wisest and best life you can possibly live is the life of embracing and running after the call of God. But his calling on your life must be accepted and then lived out faithfully. God is not going to change his mind, as Romans chapter 11 verse 29 tells us. You can accept his calling and live it out by the power of the Holy Spirit becoming a great blessing to the world. Or you can run from your calling. However, doing so will only lead to a very frustrated, unfulfilled life, much like getting swallowed by a big fish. See Jonah chapters 1 through 4. It will result in the waste of a lot of money, energy, and time. And be aware of this. Wasted time is wasted life. 
then maybe after years of frustration, if you live long enough, you can say, okay, God, I will now do what you told me to do years ago. My recommendation is to say yes to the Lord and his will right now, stepping into a more blessed life today. God and his will for your life is the best thing that can happen to you and all the rest of us. For, for resources and information about Christ, the architect of our lives, and how to come to know him, life's instruction manual, the Bible, faith and how to grow up spiritually, you can email us. My email is joseph at afr.net. Again, joseph at afr.net. Again, the title of this article was Walking Out Your Calling. Then moving on to the next article, it's entitled The Arsenal of the Word of God. Again, this title, The Arsenal of the Word of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Again, 2 Corinthians 10, 4. And then Ephesians 6, 17, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Again, Ephesians 6, 17. And then Ephesians chapter 6, verses 14 to 20, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me, in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Again, Ephesians 6, verses 14 to 20. What is an arsenal, and how could the written word of God contain one? Interesting questions. The definition of the word arsenal include the following. A collection of weapons and military equipment stored by a country, person, or a group. Another definition is a place where weapons and military equipment are stored or made. In considering the reality that life in this world is full of spiritual warfare, believers would be wise to do the following. Learn and comprehend what the spiritual weapons are that are available to us and faithfully use them as a lifestyle in order to walk in victory. In other words, followers of Christ need to know what is in our spiritual arsenal and where to put those weapons to work in our lives daily. We are to diligently start using them on the battlefields of life. Some people may think, I don't like the idea of having to deal with spiritual warfare. Well, like it or not, we face it every day of our lives. Whether we like it or not, war has come to us every day. What are some of those spiritual weapons? And what are some of the ways we are to put those weapons to work? Well, the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit, according to Ephesians six seventeen. Some of the ways to utilize the sword of the Spirit include, number one, reading the Word daily, Psalm 1, verses 1 to 6. Number two, hearing the Word daily, Matthew eleven fifteen. Number three, believing the Word daily, Romans 1, 16. Number four, speaking the word daily, Matthew 4, 1 to 11. Number five, praying the word of God daily, 
1 John 5, 14 and 15. Number six, obeying the word of God daily. James chapter 1, verse 22. And number seven, meditating on the word of God daily. Psalm 1, verse 2. Praise and thanksgiving are spiritual weapons as well. See 2 Chronicles 20, 22. Joy is a powerful spiritual weapon. See Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. Faith is a spiritual weapon. See 1 John 5, 4. Walking in love is a spiritual weapon. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 to 13. Obviously, the spiritual weapons pointed out here are only a few. There are many more referred to in God's Word. How important... A very important truth to know and understand is that when we put these spiritual weapons, uh, when we put, the, put to use these spiritual weapons, we are building up the kingdom of God. Also, as we use these weapons, we're doing battle against the kingdom of darkness. So this is one of the many reasons that every disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ needs to be a diligent student of the word of God. We would be wise to continually learn more about the spiritual weapons found in the Word of God. We must continually learn more about how to do battle with, with every spiritual weapon we have because spiritual conflict is not something we deal with only from time to time. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, we find a powerful example of a king of Judah, Jehoshaphat, who wisely used spiritual weapons to defeat a wicked invading army. This account in Scripture powerfully illustrates that when we faithfully and wisely use weapons from our spiritual arsenal, as found in the Word of God, we can see great victory in our lives. We encounter spiritual warfare every day and everywhere we go. Let's be faithful to be kingdom warriors who know how to take some of the weapons we have in the Word of God and use them to walk in victory. Again, the title of that article, The Arsenal of the Word of God. The next article is entitled, Words That Bless, Words That Heal. Proverbs 18, 21, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. In Proverbs 18, 21. Then Proverbs 16, 24, Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Again, Proverbs 16, 24. Then Proverbs 15, 1, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Words are powerful. The words we as people speak every day are much more powerful and effective than most of us, most any of us, really understand. Our words can do things far beyond what we sometimes seem to realize. Words can make someone's day and words can ruin someone's day. Words can lift people up and words can terribly discourage people. Words can give people hope and words can help people feel hopeless. As the scripture already sta has stated in Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Again, our words are powerful, much more so than we as human beings typically understand. A saying that used to be popular years ago stated, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me. This is, possibly, this is possibly one of the biggest lies you will ever hear in your life. Words can hurt to an extreme degree, and people use them to hurt others every single day. Yet for us as believers, followers of Christ, our goal is to use our words every day to bless others. 
We are to seek to live a lifestyle of speaking words that habitually bless others and point them to Christ. Our words should bless others, promote healing, grace, and encouragement in the lives of those around us. We should habitually lift others up by our words. It is, in fact, relatively easy to bless others and encourage people with our words if we wisely and very deliberately seek to do so. Well, what are some words that we can speak as a lifestyle and habitually that can bless others? What are some words that can promote healing, grace, and encouragement in the lives of others? Here are a few. Thank you. I appreciate you. Please, how can I help you? I'm sorry. I apologize. Please forgive me. How can I pray for you? What can I do to bless you today? You are awesome. You are a blessing. I believe in you. I believe you can do it. You will do great. Reading God's Word every day can bless you a lot. Reading three chapters in the Bibles in, in the Bible can bless you a lot every day. Make time to pray daily and it will bless your life a lot. Again, just a few words we can speak to bless and encourage others. And obviously, when we share the gospel and witness to others, inviting them to receive Christ, these are some of the greatest healing words in all of life. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household, Acts 16.31. Negative words can be hurtful and discouraging and toxic. Some words and phrases to avoid include, I don't like you. I don't have anything to, I don't have anything to apologize for. I can't stand you. You're not worth anything. Can't you do anything right? You always say or do the wrong thing, etc., in James chapter 3, we're told much about the effect of our tongue. James chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide our whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Whether we bless our Lord and Father, and whether we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. We'll pick up on the other side. You're listening to the Hour of Intercession as we're sharing discipleship articles, tools for evangelism and discipleship. We'll be right back. Yeah, yeah. 
music of Lincoln Brewster with Made New. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession. Today we're looking at the topic, Discipleship Articles, Tools for Evangelism and Discipleship. And we were sharing in our this last article entitled, Words That Bless, Words That Heal. Picking up once again, James chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison, whether we bless our Lord and Father and whether we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Again, James chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. We are wise to pray the prayer found in Psalm 14, verses 1 excuse me, in Psalm 141, verse 3, every day of our lives. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. So we are each wise to assess ourselves and our words. We're very wise to judge the words we speak in our life and as a lifestyle. And we are wise to ask, do my words bless, heal, and encourage others? Are my words kind? Or do my words hurt? sting and destroy? Or do I go back and forth and do both? Our clear goal should be to live a lifestyle of blessing those in our world with our words. May we each make it a goal to pray for the Lord to make our tongues a blessing to all those we come in contact with everywhere we go. Again, the title of that article was Words That Bless and Words That Heal. Father, again, thank you, Lord, for the insight in each of the articles. More and more Help us to take the insight and wisdom found in each one and really use it for your glory and the building of your kingdom. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. The next, uh, the next article is entitled, A Portrait of Real Manhood. In the headlines of our day, excuse me, the headlines of our day are screaming at us, letting us know where some of the real problems are with men. Many men look the part, are outstanding athletes or are highly gifted with much potential, physical prowess, and many characteristics that our society admires. Yet tragically, so many of our young men don't know and have not been mentored, taught, or trained, or schooled in what real manhood is all about. One's prowess on the basketball court, the football field, the soccer field, or the baseball diamond, which can translate into money, may be admirable in some regards. But it but it tells those who admire that kind of person basically 
nothing about how much of a real man an individual male really is. Today, there's a tremendous need for men in particular and society as a whole to get a clear picture of what a real man looks like. This picture depicts his heart, his mind, and his perspective. It's from the Word of God that we can find the characteristics of what a real man is. No one knows the most important characteristics of the male better than God does. Let's look at his word and paint a proper portrait. Some characteristics of a real man include, number one, he has received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of his life, John 3.16 and Romans 10.9, and he seeks to be a man like David after God's own heart, Psalm 23. Number two, he seeks to read the word of God daily for himself, Psalm 1 and Psalm 118, verse 105. Number three, he spends time in prayer daily, Mark 135 and Philippians 4, 6, and 7, Daniel 6, 10. Number four, he seeks to bring the family together to read the Word of God, teach from the Word, and pray together, Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9, and Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. Number five, he takes and or makes time to teach, train, and, dis- and discipline, and instruct his children, teaching them, teaching them about God and teaching them wisdom for all areas of life. Deuteronomy 6, 1 to 9, Proverbs 2, 1 to 9, Proverbs 3, 1 to 2, and Proverbs 4, 1 to 6. He seeks to take his family to church regularly, such as worship service on Sundays and Bible studies on Wednesdays, Joshua 24, 15, Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. He has a sense of, number seven, he has a sense of mission on his life. He seeks with passion to fulfill the specific call of God on his life, whatever that calling may be, Romans 12, 1 and 2, Colossians 3, 1 through 3. Number eight, he works hard to provide for his family, 1 Timothy 5 and 8. God gave Adam a job before he gave him a wife in Genesis chapter 2. Number nine, he's a protector for his family, Matthew chapters 1 and 2. Number 10, he lives the life of a good role model for his family and others, Joshua 20, 15. And number 11, he has the wisdom and courage to take responsibility and to deal with problems head on. He takes responsibility and does not run from it. 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32. Being a real man is much more than just being able to father a baby. A godly man has a love for God and a maturity and authority about him that sets him apart. A real man is seeking God and seeking to fulfill his purposes for his life. A real man has perspectives that are biblical and honorable. And uh, for time reasons, we're going to uh, cut short that article. But again, the title of that article is A Portrait of Real Manhood. The final article we want to share today is entitled Marriage, God's Way is Always the Best Way. Uh Uh-oh, not again. As the new pastor of Leonard Chapel, I had serious concerns over something I'd seen in the church directory. The names of two members, let's call them Mr. Brown and Miss Rice, were in different places in the directory, but under each was the same address. A mistake, perhaps? Or I thought, hopefully, maybe a coincidence with some innocent explanation. But alas, this was not the case. Soon I learned a truth I really did not want to hear. Mr. Brown and Miss Brown were living together functioning as husband and wife, but had never married. They'd lived together for many years and had a number of children together. Still, for whatever reason, they had never chosen to marry. I knew this was not a matter to rush into headlong. It needed to be addressed prayerfully and carefully with the clear wisdom and counsel of the Holy Spirit. And quite honestly, I found myself dragging my feet about dealing with it. 
Ms. Rice was attending faithfully and was very attentive in church, and Mr. Brown came as well, though not as regularly as Ms. Rice. It appeared that, at least on some level, they were truly seeking God and his righteousness. Why shake things up? But over time, the Holy Spirit kept nudging me to speak to the couple about their cohabitation. My reluctance to act on that nudge stemmed in part from an incident that happened a few years earlier when I was serving a different congregation and a, and a similar situation came to light. In that case, two people in key leadership positions in the church were living together, unmarried, and I felt led to confront them in love. So carefully, biblically, and with love, I approached them and tried to communicate that as believers, it's important for us to do things God's way. Without going into great detail, let me say that my attempt at biblical diplomacy basically blew up in my face. The two individuals were highly offended, and with significant support from others in the church, they took action. In a very short time, I was no longer the pastor of that church, and that was that. Now, facing a similar case, Part of me felt I had good reason to decide not to touch it with a 10-foot pole. Still, the Holy Spirit was definitely directing me otherwise. Then one day, a few, uh, a, a short time later, the Lord arranged a chance for me to speak with Ms. Rice. I'd hoped to meet with the couple together, but that scenario didn't work out that day. Instead, my wife and I had opportunity to sit and talk quietly with Ms. Rice alone. Now, allow me to be clear on this point. People are too precious to be handled roughly or abrasively, even when we are giving them the truth. God's word directs us to speak the truth in love. So the three of us spoke together calmly and earnestly. And when it came to confronting Miss Rice, basically what I said was, Sister Rice, you come to church regularly and faithfully. and You're very attentive and you seem to have a genuine love for the Lord and the things of God. Yet I want to graciously bring this issue before you to consider why not do things God's way and get married? To be honest, I didn't know what reaction to expect, whether offense, anger, or something else. Initially, Miss Rice sat graciously and quietly saying nothing. She seemed to be thinking deeply about my words, and it was as though I could see her heart in her eyes, which were shining with tears forming there. The first thing she said was, how did you know? After I explained briefly about the quote-unquote coincidence of their addresses in the directory, we began to talk further. Afterward, an ongoing three-way conversation developed between Miss Rice, my wife, and me, during which I learned that Miss Rice and Mr. Brown had lived together for more than 20 years, raising their children together and functioning as a family. I wanted to marry, but we just never did, Miss Rice confessed one day. But now she added, I really think I want to do this, to make this step. It was decided that my wife and I would talk with Mr. Brown about the matter soon, first alone, then with him and Miss Rice together. When the four of us met together, Mr. Brown seemed open to getting married at last. I reminded the couple that it was their decision to make together, but I urged them that it would be wise to, to take this step and take it fairly soon, possibly within the next month or two. I felt certain that postponing the decision indefinitely or deciding but relegating the act itself to a vague sometime in the future would be neither helpful nor fruitful. The two of them decided that yes, they would marry, and they selected a date, opting for a relatively short engagement. The two seemed surprisingly excited, especially Ms. Rice. Her demeanor seemed to me more like that of a 20-year-old virgin bride-to-be than of an unmarried matron who has already shared a home with the father of her children for more than two decades. They, the date arrived, and the wedding was beautiful. 
Their three daughters were in the wedding party, and as I watched their proud procession, I could not help thinking what a positive message and life lesson this was to the three children from their parents. A number of other relatives were either in the wedding or present to witness the momentous occasion. One of Ms. Rice's sisters said that she'd been praying for that day for years. Of course, I personally felt privileged not only to witness the wedding, but also to perform the ceremony. I remember distinctly during those precious moments of the solemnization, seeing the tears of joy streaming down Ms. Rice's face. I believe those were tears that flowed from a heart that was seeing a long-awaited dream fulfilled. Praise God, besides making a public affirmation of their lifelong commitment to one another, those unconventional newlyweds also sent a powerful message out that day, not only to their family, but to the entire community. That marriage, as God ordained it, is more than a domestic arrangement, more than a quote-unquote civil union, and far more than something two people just decide to do or not to do, depending on their emotional attachment or personal convenience. Uh, for time reasons, we're going to end it there. I'm just about done with the article, though, but if you'd like to get a copy of that article, the title of this article is Marriage, God's Way is Always the Best Way. Well, as we normally do before we end the broadcast, if you are listening today and you desire to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today is a wonderful day to be saved. If you'd like to make that step, would you simply, from your heart, pray this prayer with me even now? Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me so much that you came to this world a long, long time ago. You lived. You died on the cross to pay for my sins. Three days later, you rose up from the dead so that I could be saved. Lord, I confess <clears throat> I've sinned and done wrong in many ways. Lord, I repent and turn from all the wrong I've done. Lord Jesus, forgive me for all the wrong things I've done. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, my email is joseph at afr.net. We want to be in touch with you. We very much desire to be in touch with you and share with you some literature and resources that are going to help you begin to grow and grow up strong in the Lord. We hope to hear from you again, joseph at afr.net. And once again, if you'd like to get any or all of the titles that we share today, the different articles, simply email me, same email, joseph at afr.net. We'd be glad to email each of the articles or any of the articles that you desire. We're glad to share them with you. We want to share them with you so that you'll have them for you and your family and also to use to help and minister to others as well. Again, the email, joseph at afr.net. You've been listening to the Hour of Intercession as we today looked at the topic, Discipleship Articles, Tools for Evangelism and Discipleship. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for the Hour of Intercession. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.